Hello, hello, it's Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. My guests this week are great and they're fellow podcasters. So I'm super excited for this episode. I feel like there are two types of listeners to Naked Beauty. There are the listeners that I am the only beauty podcast you listen to. You don't listen to any other beauty podcasts, but you're here for Naked Beauty. I appreciate you. And then there are the listeners that listen to all of the beauty podcasts and know all of the beauty conversations. If you are in that latter group, then you definitely know Fat Mascara. Jen and Jez have been killing it since they launched their podcast back in 2016, which fun fact is also when I launched. And they truly speak to some of the biggest names in the beauty industry. They even interviewed Kim Kardashian this summer, which I asked them about in this interview because I had so many questions. <laughs> I'm like, how do you even approach interviewing someone like that, especially on the topic of beauty? But it's also really cool to me how Jen and Jess, like they're podcasters and they understand new media, but they also have this background in legacy media. So Jess is the current beauty director for Harper's Bazaar. And Jen has a history of working at a ton of magazines as well as a beauty director. So they're really fun. I love Jen's answer for when she feels most beautiful. It's one of the most memorable <laughs> answers to date. And we talk about so much on this episode. We talk about skincare versus procedures like lasers, Botox, and fillers. That's a conversation I'm really interested in because I feel like people talk about skincare all the time, but are we talking about all those procedures we're doing behind the scenes to make our face and skin look a certain way? We also get into this new trend of skin minimalism and some really interesting thoughts from them on where they think kind of skincare is trending, where they think sustainability in skincare and the beauty industry is trending. And then like I had to ask them, why is everyone hating on natural beauty now? This is a very concerning trend, especially to me that I have seen. And their thoughts on it were very interesting. So we talk about a lot of really great beauty conversation. I'm so excited for you guys to get into it. Thank you guys so much for listening at Naked Beauty Planet and at Brooke DeVard. That's where you can find me. That's where I'm posting all the pictures of my baby, Mavi. So if you care about that sort of thing and you want to see my family life, then definitely follow me on at Brooke DeVard. And guys, this week, we don't have a beauty question because no one emailed me a pressing beauty question. So please email me nakedbeautypodcast at gmail.com with your beauty questions. And I always answer them at the end of the show. Last week's answer was all about hyperpigmentation and what you know, face washes and toners can you use to address hyperpigmentation? And I thought my answer was very good. So if you're curious about what products you can use for hyperpigmentation, definitely go back and listen to the end of the Amelia episode where I answered that. But yeah, ask me your beauty questions. I've answered questions about sunscreen, about the best detanglers for curly hair. I love doing it. I'm here to service you guys. All right. Without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Jen and Jess. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, 
Solon logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. I am with the amazing women of Fat Mascara. Thank you guys so much for being on Naked Beauty. I'm so excited to talk to you and love your podcast. So it's an honor. Thank you. Ditto right back at you. This is very exciting. I'm really excited. So, okay. I have to ask, how did you guys meet? Because I know Fat Mascara started 2016, but how did, I don't know how you guys met. I thought you were going to say 20 years ago. <laughs> Does it feel that long? Does it feel um, that yes long? Yes and no. Yes and no. Um, we actually met in Ghana. Yeah, she usually handles this question. Yeah, the meet cute was in Ghana. Well, actually, the airport on the way and the way to Ghana. This is so random and not what I was expecting <laughs> you guys to say at all in Ghana. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, we went on a press trip. Jurgens. I mean, I, they're not really doing press trips like this right now for obvious reasons, but we were going on a press trip and, you know, you get there early, obviously, and Jen was in the lounge. I'm, I'm going to give you the short version because I don't want to bore everyone, but my, our mutual friend, Susan, who was the publicist was like, oh, you know, you must know Jen Goldstein from Mary Claire. And I was like, I actually don't know her. And she's like, oh, that's so crazy. I feel like you guys would be friends at the time I was at Cosmo. And I met her and I was like, oh my God, like I, I kind of could see this, but I was like, she was so different from me. She was, had this huge, she was in the airport lounge. She had this, well, first of all, I didn't even like understand that there was an airport like, like lounge that I could go to at that point. I was like at McDonald's, like stuffing my little face with fries. <laughs> it was like, just so funny. Like, we were both kind of like doing our own thing. And then I got there and she had on these like, harem pants and all of this luggage. I'd packed like everything I needed. Excuse like, in me, small- not all of this luggage. I had one little carry on. Yomi had all the luggage. <laughs> yes, yes. But I I guess like my point was like you were like prepared oh. in this different way that I was. Like we were very kind of opposites about this trip, which was kind of, I guess, kind of has kind of played out in the podcast <laughs> in certain ways. But it like worked. And over the trip, we got to know each other better and it worked. And, um, you know, it wasn't like after the trip, we were calling each other every night by any means. But we became very good work friends and we were in the same building, the Hearst Tower. And I always really looked forward to sharing a cab with Jen or seeing Jen at an event or in the building. And I think our friendship over the next year, two years, that was 2013. And then we started working on FM and two years, two years later, like grew in a very natural way. Jen, would you say, I mean, that's my perspective. Yeah. Would you, would you say that? I feel it's always weird to hear someone talk about you, your friendship, that's not you. No, it was an opposites attract story. Yeah, yeah. And even though you guys are saying you're opposites, I think what you guys both have in common is you both have a sense of humor, which I feel like is really important in the beauty industry. Oh, I love laughing with Jen. Yeah. Yeah, you guys are always laughing, always cracking jokes, which I love. I, I think we need more We need more of that in the beauty industry. I always say like the men's marketing side of the beauty industry is willing to go there. But like nobody is funny in women's like beauty marketing until maybe very recently. And I just think it's such a loss, really, because that's how I want to be talked to as a woman. I want to enjoy my beauty rituals. I want to have fun doing them, you know? 
Absolutely. Well, I need to know like where you guys grew up and what your first experiences of beauty were. So Jen, do you want to start? Sure. I'm from Philly. Well, Northeast Philly. And uh, I have non-existent beauty experiences. I grew up like on in the muddy fields of the soccer field, sports, <laughs> athlete, all of that. When my grandmother was a like very much into beauty. And I remember she got her, this was okay. I didn't do it myself, but she got her colors done. I'm putting that in quote marks. Remember this was like a thing in the eighties and like, she was a summer, you know, color me beautiful, color me beautiful. My mom was there, my aunts and they all got done. And so I remember I was like the only family (laughs) person in my family who was a winter. Oh my gosh. I think I'm a winter too. Yeah. And it was just, I mean, I didn't wear makeup at the time or anything, but I loved the whole, like my, all the women in my family getting together and having this beauty experience together. And it kind of stuck with me. And I just always liked the collectability of products, even if I wasn't using them. And then, yeah, it grew from there. Cool. So did you, how did you even know that working in the beauty industry was a thing that you could even do? Well, just to continue the Philadelphia story, then I was working at a retail store in West Philly during college. And do you remember Tony and Tina Cosmetics? I do not. Okay. It was this like groovy, high vibrations, like chakra-based beauty system of the early aughts. Okay. That sounds cool. And so I worked in retail, so I knew how to sell makeup. Well, they wouldn't let me sell it. I always did the cash register because I wasn't good at selling it. But I, but I didn't know the back end. And Tony came of Tony and Tina Cosmetics, which was one of my favorite brands. And he was doing like an in-store appearance. This is such a weird story. He ended up sleeping over my house. Okay. I know it sounds gross. He was like this middle-aged, like, cosmetic executive, but he was selling to <laughs> college-aged women. And it was like the spring fling at my university. And he's like, I want to know what that's about. Can I like stay for the weekend? Like he was the total gentleman, stayed in like our sofa and went to all the concerts with us. I remember because the roots played and it was like amazing. And he was like, wow. this is so great. I'm like soaking in the college female experience. And that's who his customers were. And so he kind of taught me about like the backside of beauty and what, how marketing and selling and like, you know, that little eyeshadow that I love that costs like $14 only costs $2 to make. And from there, I was like, maybe this is, maybe I should work in beauty. This is cool. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay. Now, Jess, I have to hear for you. Where did you grow up and what was, what were kind of your early introductions into beauty? Um, I grew up in Marlboro, New Jersey. It's a suburban town in central Jersey. And I was obsessed with beauty, you know, like just like from the get go, I, you know, like a lot of little girls, you know, whether it's like the Tinkerbell set, you know, like fake makeup to then my mom would give me all of her like free samples from Estee Lauder and Clinique. And then it was like a rite of passage, you know, the Clinique three-step system. And then, you know, I was, we talked a little bit about this when you, you know, were on our show. I mean, if you haven't listened to that, please go listen. But I was both into fashion and beauty, but something about beauty that really attracted me was that it was far more accessible. And this is before I actually got in the industry. I'm talking about like 13, 14 years old. You know, I couldn't go and buy a Versace skirt or jacket that was completely out of the question. But there was something about the glamour of that world where I could go to, you know, it's funny, Jen and I are both like name checking these defunct makeup lines, but Versace did have an amazing, incredible, please Google it, please just Google image it, or it's on eBay, um, incredible makeup line. And for, you know, $58, I could buy a compact. And I worked when I was a teenager and I would go and buy, you know, to spend $200, $300 with like all the money I made 
on that makeup, whether or not that was a wise decision in like, you know, somebody else's <laughs> eyes, I didn't care. But I felt like I had entree into that world or I was that person. And, you know, we could do a whole therapy session of why I wanted to have access to that world. That's not something I want to go into like on the <laughs> now. And there are two of us and I want to make sure Jen and I have equal airtime here. But I really felt that it was really important to me to feel that way. It was really important for me to feel beautiful and to feel like not excluded from that world. And I was also a lot heavier than, you know, my peers at that point. So I felt fabulous. And like also Mac at that time was like super revolutionary. So I would like hang out. I would go to master classes at Mac. They had like on the oh, top wow. floor of Nordstrom, I would go to the Mac master class. So that for me, I was obsessed with the world of beauty. And then when I, um, when I found out that, you know, it was a real job being a beauty editor, I was like, this is what I absolutely want to do. So that that's my scoop. That's amazing. So who were your beauty icons growing up? Like who did you look up to in your youth? Jess, I know you have you go first. You have a great list. Oh my God, so many. I mean, like I was obsessed with, you know, I had the Kevin Aquan books, like from the art of makeup to oh, making faces. Making faces. Um, so he was very influential to me, but then also like I was super into music. So like, you know, Courtney Love, Tori Amos, people like that. Um, people who express themselves through their, you know, not just their looks, but just kind of like how they carry themselves. Mm-hmm. When, you know, very like 90s, Shirley Manson. You know, I know she's super problematic now, but at the time, like I was like, oh, Gwen Stefani, she like really rocks a red, you know, lip like, you know. Gwen Stefani's problematic now? Oh, just Google. Okay. <laughs> is it because of the Harajuku girls or is something new happened? Well, you know, she, she you know, with the Bindi, with her later on. Okay. Harajuku yeah, yeah. girls. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. True, true. <laughs> but yeah, she was super creative with, with her looks and she still does a lot of, you know, interesting stuff. Mine were kind of music. It's funny. It depends on the year, but they were music too. I just realized we, we had that in common. Because like, I mean, if you went middle school, it was salt and pepper and I had... <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah. I had the haircut. Oh, my God. I so, I so wanted that haircut. I had the asymmetrical and then my hair was like only wavy. So then I permed it. But then I straightened the perm. It was the it was I wasn't it wasn't good for me. But then by high school, like I had moved on and I was like, I was torn between Courtney and Kurt. Honestly, I more wanted to look like Kurt, like with the red hair. I got my manic panic out. Wow. Yeah. So can Kurt Cobain be my beauty icon? Absolutely. Okay. That, that, ma- that red hair. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. He can totally be your beauty icon. <laughs> well, okay. Jess, I want to go to you for a second. You've been in the beauty game for a while and you're also a new mom, newish, not, not quite as new as me, but still I'd say like they say the first two years are really hard. What keeps you motivated to keep going to do your full-time job at Harper's Bazaar to co-host Fat Mascara while also like being a mom? Um, I'm crazy. <laughs> um, I think, you know, it's, um, it's, such a, it's a really interesting time in beauty. Okay, first of all, like with Fat Mascara, I think it would be nuts for me right now to be like, that was cool. Like, you know, bye. Like, you know, this really is a passion and, and really like, I, it's funny when people say like, it's my baby, you know, it's, it is like now that I have like a human baby, um, <laughs> you know, but it is, you know, you have, this is your baby, you know, like naked beauty is your baby. Like there's something you started. And that's how I feel about fat mascara. You know, this was an idea. It's something that 
Jen and I have built together and we have watched it grow from something that we had to tell people what a podcast was. And now it's like something that we're both really proud of. And and to walk away from that is something that really would upset me right now. So even though it is really hard to juggle, I'm not going to lie. And Jen and I talk about it a lot. Like it would really make me sad because I'm I, it, I feel super attached to it. Um, and then with Bizarre, it's, you know, I interned at Bizarre. I'm not going to tell you how long ago, but it was a very, very, very long. I mean, I, I'm not, it was, right. it was like almost ago. 20, no, it was almost 20 years ago. You know, it's, it's crazy and it's exciting. You know, I, I get to have a job in like really like legacy media, like an iconic brand that is one of something I'm super excited about and proud of to be a part of. And then I have to get to be a part of something that is like new media and is part of really the future. And then I have this amazing daughter, like what, what am I going to, I, I feel incredibly lucky. So I just need to figure out how to juggle that. And that's really a problem. I, it's something I deal with every day. It's something yeah. I deal with every day. You know, it's something I, ju- I just have to figure out. And I, I honestly don't have a solution right now. I mean, I'm I'm asking you because it's something that I'm trying to juggle now as well. Full-time job, podcast, and being a mom. It's it's a lot. Jen, you majored in psychology and communications at Penn, which is a great school, a school I applied to. And ultimately, when I went on visiting weekend, it was pouring rain. And I was like, this isn't the vibe. <laughs> oh my God, those college visits were just like, if you met the wrong person, you're like, forget it. I'm not going here. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, I, I was like, do it. Um, and then it was like pouring rain and then I went to Stanford and it was like, people were playing volleyball and like the sun was shining and I was like, Oh, I like it more here. It was very superficial (laughs) decision. (laughs) So you majored in psychology and comms. And I feel like there's so much about beauty, especially the marketing of beauty that is so closely linked to psychology. So I'm wondering how like that degree and background has served you in your career. Well, Brooke, I'm glad you asked. Actually, (laughs) my thesis senior year was based on the research of Dr. Nancy Etcoff. She wrote this book, Survival of the Prettiest. She was like a psychologist and evolutionary biologist. And it was talking about like, is there an evolutionary basis for what we find attractive, which I found fascinating. So I sort of like turned that into what are the cross-cultural like commonalities and what we find attractive across different cultures? Because like, why do you redden your lips in certain countries in Asia and also do that in certain countries in South America? Like, what's behind that? And as I was doing all that research, you know, cosmetics kept coming up and again and again, and they were being used to sort of mimic these, like, biological things that people find attractive. And I just thought that was fascinating. And I originally wanted to go into marketing because I was like, that's why I did psychology because I thought I like how people's brains work. But then the more I learned about cosmetics as I was doing this thesis, I was like, maybe I can like somehow combine all of this. And truly, somehow my career has, which I don't know. I don't think usually people go to college and have that direct of a link from what they studied in college to... Yeah, yours all kind of meshes together. It, it did. Yeah. 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 And I think what's amazing listening to both of you is you guys knew pretty early on, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, what you wanted to do. And now all of these years later, you're kind of living that out, which is amazing. I think a lot of people, it takes them quite a bit of time to kind of find their purpose and what they're doing and why they care. So that's something you guys should feel really grateful for. Yeah, I think we have that in common. We both like, and we both have a little bit of a drive that way. Like if we find something we want to do it, we're like, okay, what's the plan? How are we going to get Yeah. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> well, you know, your podcast is so successful. And then you guys on your own kind of have this really incredible space in the beauty industry. So I'm wondering as two white women, how do you use your platform and the voice that you have to kind of elevate 
black and brown voices in the beauty world? I have to say it's like one of the greatest parts about being a podcast and not just print media anymore is that you get to tell those like deeper stories behind things, which is kind of why we started the podcast. So it comes to mind for me, but Jess, you can answer as well, is not just like the guests that we've have on that are diverse. I think we've had some topics where we sought out specific guests because there were topics that we wanted to touch on. I'm thinking of like implicit bias in medicine. There was a lot of research Actually, it was started last year about how doctors have implicit bias against black and brown people. So we found, well, actually, we knew Dr. Taylor. I've known her for yeah. years. A, a dermatologist who studied that, who was implementing a, um, a whole program for her residents about treating implicit bias within the workplace. So we both like come up with topic ideas and then find guests that can speak to these things. But then we also have on a diverse group of guests. And then the other thing that I think is important is when we have on people in positions of power, like that are not black and brown, right? we ask them what they're also doing, just the way you just asked us. So like, uh, there's a couple we've done this to, and I'm so not done this to, it wasn't like a gotcha moment, but like <laughs> yeah. Mac was dealing with a lot like discrimination in their stores. There was a lot of bad press that was about Mac and how they were dealing with black and brown people. So Drew Elliott came on the show. What's Drew's title? I can't remember. Creative director, Jess? It's the creative director, I believe. Yeah. And so we asked him, quite frankly, like, what is your company going to be doing? Because you're he was in the position of power, you know, and and he had a good answer. And he was talking and he also was frank that, like, listen, we're not going to get it right always. But here's like what we're trying to do. So I don't know. I think it's important to not just ask the guests who are black and brown what they're you know, what they feel, what their stories are, but also ask the other people what they're doing to make change. Totally. To Jen's point, like we started the show really, you know, with the kind of excitement that we were able to have conversations that were more nuanced than what could be unless edited. You know, we we do edit the show, but we we aren't like, I don't love what he said there. Let's Mm -hmm. shave off that line. It's really just edited for time, you know, or like the the ums and the yas. But we we want to have these longer, more nuanced conversations that are hard to get in a print page where there are space limitations or even online where, yeah, and theoretically there are no space limitations, but you know, I'm not speaking to any one website, but people want things that are going to play for headlines or SEO or whatever. We just want to put out what we think are thoughtful, interesting conversations. I want to get into some beauty hot topics with you guys before I dive back into your respective backgrounds. So just because I feel like I'm now in this cycle where I see trends, I'm hearing from a lot of publicists, Like I kind of understand a lot more about the beauty industry than I did even maybe two years ago. So I want to know your... Because t- I love skincare. But I also think a lot of people are expecting skincare to do the work that sometimes only cosmetic surgery can do. And I'll give you guys a personal anecdote for me. It's been a long time now because I couldn't do it when I was pregnant, but I got Restylane under my eyes. And it was this kind of thing where like to fill like the hollows under my eyes. And I was like, I've been using eye creams for all of these years. And there's some things that just can't be, you know, <laughs> eye cream's not going to like fill in the hollows under your eyes. So... Talk to me about how you feel about cosmetic surgery. And do you think that some people are expecting skincare to do more than it possibly can? 
Do you want me, Jess? Are you pointing to me? Yeah, because I just feel like I just talked like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, uh, I absolutely agree. I think it's not just their fault, though. I think it, they're often marketed to that the, the eye cream can do more. The language that surrounds the way we talk about beauty. Um, I was just talking about this glow recipe is not using the words poreless or flawless anymore because you're not going to be poreless. You're not going to get rid of your eye bags completely. Um, and I think we make it really like we make a point of saying this on the podcast a lot that like, listen, they can, you know, products can only do so much. And a lot of it is psychological. Like it makes you feel good. So as far as my thoughts on cause what you got though, I wouldn't have called cosmetic surgery to me. Yeah. That's like, you know, a non-invasive cosmetic procedure because you didn't minimally invasive, minimally. Okay. Thank you. Minimally. Thank you. Okay. Uh, cause there was no scalpel involved. I am pro. I am both pro minimally invasive and pro knife. Like I will do because I'm like, you know what? I'd rather save my money. And, you know, if you could save, this is the thing though. This is also based on the income and what can you afford? If you can't ever afford $500 to get a little bit of Botox or $800 for some filler, then yes, of course, if it makes you feel good, use the products. But um, I'd rather save up my money and do fillers and tox than buy a $300 eye cream, two $300 eye creams, you could have, you know, your filler at that point. Right. True. Okay. So are there any treatments that you particularly like? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, stuff in my face. Honestly, I think about if I was, there was this study once that they ran, uh, they did like an MRI of people's face who had had like filler and things. If you did an MRI of my skull, I don't even know what you would find in there. Maybe my dermatologist said, but there's like Voluma in there, Restylane, Juvederm. <laughs> I've tried all the neuromodulators. Um, Wait, I what's a neuromodulator? It uh, is the g- generic term for Botox, Botox. Okay. Um, Dysport, all of those. I've tried the m- multiple different ones. Like I started getting Botox when I was 29. So, I mean, there's 15 years of shit in my face. <laughs> well, you look so young. You look amazing. <laughs> we'll see. It works. <laughs> The thing is, I feel like I like want to get more into it, but isn't it interesting that when we have conversations with women, like the first thing is like, oh, what's your skincare routine? When it should really be, what are all the things that you're doing aside from your skincare routine? Like, I, I don't know. I think the deeper I'm getting into things and like the more I interview people, I'm realizing that a lot of us are doing way more than just like a moisturizer at night. So, you're pro. It's clearly paid off. You look amazing, but you also look very natural. It's not like I would look... You know how you can look at some people and you're like... Yeah. Especially... I I feel so bad for my LA listeners because I think that they are, they always think that I'm throwing them shade. But like in LA, that's technically where I tend to see the most people that have really overdone it. So you're pro. And is there any specific treatment that you think is like the most life-changing? Like the most like... If you're on the fence, go ahead and do it. I think lasers also are a nice way to like dip your toe into that. Jess and I have both had laser treatments. And I remember I when I went, what was the one I got? Fraxel? It was like a week later. I and the bait there's other ones where you could do like the baby. No, go in. Like you're gonna look weird for a couple of days, but then like all of a sudden you're like a baby. It oh just boosts collagen, yeah. but it resurfaces because all of these structural things with the neuromodulators and the fillers, they can only do so much for the shape of your face. If the quality of the skin that is laid over that foundation isn't good, like then you start to have that weird weathered waxy kind of look that you're, you know, mm. so well, I forgot, I, I forgot exactly what the, what the, the wording was, but like Dr. Frank always says this thing, like if you're a cat, it's like a couch, like I can like only like 
fix the cushions so much, but like if the cushions, like if the fabric isn't right, <laughs> like you got to like make sure the fabric is good. So the Fraxel is like fixing the fabric. Okay. Okay. I like that analogy. And like, he says it much smoother, but it's like you need the fabric. That's your skin, by the way. So that's where I think the skincare we're talking. I feel like we're kind of like, like nagging on skincare. No, not skincare nagging. does work. Like yeah. retinol works. Um, a great moisturizers skin work. <laughs> Moist, yeah, like your skin's gonna look better if you use proper skincare. You're 100%. if you're gonna use retinol, you're gonna see a benefit. But you can't like ditch the sunscreen and be like, it's okay, I can get Botox. You know what I mean? Like right, it needs right. the two work in tandem. Okay. So minimally invasive procedures. Are do you do them? Do you, are you a fan? I like to be a little private about what I do. Okay, I love that. But here's the, here's where I feel about this. This is why I stand. This is why I take that perspective. I think that women and men don't owe it to anyone to tell. When you ask that thing, when you said thing like, you know, I think when you start asking people what they do, it's still a medical procedure. The non-invasive is still medical. Yeah. 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 So I feel like people are entitled to their privacy. Oh, yeah. 100% people are entitled to their privacy. You know what I mean? I I hear you. And I also really respect your decision to not like share or disclose. But I also think it's great when people do share. No, I, I, yeah, I think it's great too. Like when, if JLo was like, I get this, that, and the other thing, I'd be like, thank you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like it when people are like outright lying and just being like water and like, why do so many people in Hollywood, like especially like actresses lie about getting work done, but it's like they volunteer that they've never done anything and they clearly have. And it's like awkward. That's the thing. And like Jen and I have talked about this a lot. Like it's not so much when people don't own up to it. It's like the outright like lying. It's it's like the trickery. Right. It's back to that thing where people say, what's your best like beauty advice? And they say, drink, I drink a lot of water. Like I drink gallons yeah. of water. And it's just How like many yeah. models and celebrities have I interviewed where that you're just like, I might need to ask this question because you're gonna say that and it doesn't help any of us. Also, I just want to correct the record so that people don't think that like, oh, this woman has a lot of stuff in her face right now. <laughs> right now, there's like, right now, there's nothing in my face. But that's also part of the thing. I don't want people to think like I have experimented in the past. But if I say I get this, that and the other thing and they're looking at me and they're thinking, oh, this woman has this, that and the other thing in her face. And I don't. It's not in there right now. Yeah. It depends on like what I'm doing. Right. If I'm trying something. But if I put out this like bulletin, not that people like care what I do or are following, like <laughs> give two thoughts about me, but then it's like, oh yeah, her, you know what I mean? It's like, why put that out there? I, if, if it's not actually true that day. Sure. I, I totally get it. I am though going to try Fraxel as a result of this conversation. That's amazing. Fraxel's amazing. Jen didn't find it painful. I did not find it painful during the thing because I got lots of numbing during the process. But the day or two after I was like, my skin feels very tight and dry and I, I didn't feel comfortable. So like, I just say, like, don't treat it like it's nothing. Okay. Okay. I'm going to look into it further. Yeah. I want, just ask I, questions. Yes. Always with any procedure, you just have to ask yeah. questions yeah. so you feel comfortable going in. I want to ask you guys about your interview with Kim Kardashian because one iconic, two congratulations, three, like... <laughs> When you think about her impact on beauty culture, like I truly think the 
the way that so many women self-present would be entirely different if Kim Kardashian did not exist. Like I think about there's like Marilyn Monroe who like impacted her entire generation. And I think for us, it's probably Kim Kardashian from a beauty perspective. Now, when you guys found out that you were going to interview her, were you only allowed to talk about the like specific KKW launch? Or like, were you tempted to get into like her just overall impact on beauty? The thing was, we did get the interview because she was doing a launch with her best friend, Allison. Yes. And so we often do this with celebrities. If you do a super wide ranging interview, I find like you can't get deep on any one angle of it. So the thing when we knew we were getting both of them, we were like, the, the thing that we wanted to talk about was the beauty bonds, like how when two girlfriends are getting ready, how there's yeah. like a whole bond and a ritual about beauty. And of course, we only got like an hour with them, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So while I wanted to, like, of course, I would love to go back and ask her all of those questions. We were really focusing in on that. And it actually made for a nice rapport because she and her friend were talking about how they used to sit sit in the kitchen sink to, or like in the bathroom sink together. So, and it's happened with other celebrities where like, oh, wow, if we had more time, we could go into a much wider ranging interview. So you have to like focus in on your questions. So that's, I think, why maybe we didn't ask her that. Like, it's hard when you're the person who is influencing to explain why that is. Yeah, like I don't know, I just do what I do. Exactly. Like and even if even if it was very methodical and she had a whole strategy, I don't think that she would it share it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think also like we wanted to be sensitive to Allison. Like as Jen, you know, was saying, like mm-hmm. there's two of them. Like the minute it gets chilly towards somebody else, I feel like we lose that kind of warmth towards everyone, you know? Totally. I will say it was really refreshing to hear how normal she was. Like the fact that she has this group chat with all of her friends from high school and they're all still friends and they hang out and they text each other and they're asking each other mom advice. I was like, because, you know, you see her with her famous celebrity friends all the time that you kind of forget that she's just like normal. Um, So I appreciate that you guys brought that side out of her. I'll also say a little BTS. She was literally our most easygoing guest we've ever had. She was on like literally a minute early. Perfectly wow. set up, had no more than a minute. Tech. It was more than a minute because I was surprised. I went to go, I went to go turn like like something off, like my husband's end table because I was like, this isn't set up right. And <laughs> then I like, come back and I see her like on her phone, like on the couch. Oh my god! And I was like, oh my god! Like Kim Kardashian, <laughs> it's like on. <laughs> it, it was so scary, <laughs> but she didn't have like a whole team to set it up first for her. Just like it was, she works hard. You could tell she works hard, and I I, I got a newfound respect for her during that interview. Yeah. I mean, you can't knock her hustle. Like she, you have to respect her and and what she's built is just so you can't take it away from her. And I've just recently purchased skims, which I said I was never going to do. (laughs) I attempted sometimes. How are they? They're great. Here to report (laughs) that they're fantastic. So (laughs) I want to talk to you guys about something that I talk about a lot, which is natural skincare. And you guys know, I love, I love a DIY moment, but Mm. I've noticed that lately natural skincare is being villainized hardcore. People are like, anti-DIY. Have you guys seen this? And what do you think it's about? Anti-DIY. I think there is a lot of, a lot of people have been playing like kitchen chemists, not talking about you, Brooke, not talking about you. (laughs) No, I mean, but I I have, I have been there and trying to figure it out. And I mean, I use like recipe books and stuff, but still, yeah, I would say kitchen chemist. I've been there. But I think like there's been a lot of skepticism against like big beauty and people who, you know, and like synthetics and, you know, people saying like natural is better. And I think a lot gets lost 
when we just make big sweeping statements, even if it's about like chemicals or about like big brands or anything. I think when we just talk in like big sweeping statements, things get lost. So when we talk about like naturals, you're saying like naturals are getting a backlash. We see it in conversations pop up like, you know, all products with fragrance are bad. All products with essential oils are bad. All products with, you know, anything that's granular, like a, 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 Exfol, you know, exfoliating manual, yeah, manual exfoliants are bad. So, I would never say that like somebody making a, a bath scrub, you know, it's a subpar product. I wouldn't, use. no, like that's fine if you like it, that's fine. But I think the conversation, like everyone was saying that natural is better than synthetic. There was a large group of people saying that for so long. Now people are saying actually, you know, that's a sweeping generalization. Maybe we need to like rethink that. That's how I perceive the conversation. And I, I'm not mad at that because we know that that's not always true. Yeah. Jen, what about you? I, I think you can't discount what this year and the pandemic has has played into it, even if we don't realize that's why. I think there's this new thinking about science that people are realizing, oh, wow, like I should be listening to actual people that work in STEM, chemists and researchers and epidemiologists, not necessarily marketing people and or politicians. You know, it's something about like, oh, you know what? I do want some hardcore freaking Clorox wipes right now. This year. <laughs> sort of trickled its way into the beauty sphere where if we're questioning general medical advice and figuring out how to keep ourselves safe and happy and, you know, maybe that also worked for skincare. And so people are like, maybe I, you know, would like to see what the experts think on this. But I think it'll sort of balance out as things settle, like Jess said, because it's you don't want to make sweeping generalizations. So you'll choose to DIY like a body scrub. I love a DIY body scrub. Am I going to make a DIY body face scrub? Probably not. And also, you know, a lot of brands that this is taking a step further, and I don't think this is what you're talking about because you're not going to sell 500 of your body scrubs and leave them on a shelf, you know, in uh, Brooklyn for, you know, seven months. But a lot of people are skeptical of big brands and they say, I'd rather use Joe Schmo's, you know, natural scrub. But, you know, there are conversations about big brands versus natural. But a lot of these brands that don't have preservatives, things get funky. So um, that's it's a very specific example. But we see that ha- come up all the time when they talk about, you know, big brands being once a Joe Schmo brand was bought, oh, then this brand made it terrible. They they added in preservatives. They added in this, the, the other thing. But certain things get lost because they do need to do that for things to be like shelf stable. So I'm getting into the to the weeds here, and, and I'm, I'm sorry to kind of like nerd out about this so much, but I think that's where a lot of the natural conversation, people get pissy about it. I love I love a beautiful natural product. I would love to try one of your scrubs. When you were talking about our, our <laughs> show, it sounded so delicious with your pumpkin seed oil. I was like, oh, I need to try that. But I um I do think that it is kind of it's got to be somewhere in the middle. Sure, and I think yeah, you're right. Making it for yourself is totally different than selling it. And Jen, the point you made about like the pandemic and how we're questioning science, like that's such a smart observation that I never thought of. So thank you for that perspective. Sustainability. We see the trends in sustainability change all the time. So remember when everyone was obsessed with sheet masks and it was like, what's your favorite sheet mask? And what are the best hydrating sheet masks? And you know, you go down to like, you know, Chinatown and buy these sheet masks. Like people were obsessed with sheet masks. This was like maybe 2018. And now it's like a dirty word. It's like, oh my gosh, if you're using a sheet mask, what are you doing? You're like not sustainable at all. What do you think is like the next wave of sustainability? Like, what do you think is kind of the next 
thing that's going to happen to the beauty industry where people will change the way they purchase something or the way that they think about certain brands? I want to say solid shampoos and conditioners because I'm doing this ongoing experiment. Jess doesn't even know about this yet, but it's for our podcast. Like I have ordered every solid shampoo and there's solid conditioners now. And those are for people that don't know, they look like a bar of soap. So you don't have to have the packaging. So clearly more sustainable. Oh, wow. It's a tough, tough category. So what I'm, the answer that I'm giving is that I would like to see the packaging change for products that aren't one-time use like the sheet masks, but that are the outside packaging of things that we refill. Like, why do they need to be plastic, right? Why do we even need them at all in the case of these solid products? But it's going to say, here's a hint, like those are not up to par with liquid (laughs) shampoos and conditioners quite yet. But I trust in science. We'll get there. Yes, I'm Jess, sure. what about, yeah. what about you? What's next for sustainability? I, I, I think, you know, I was going to say, you know, I, I'm really interested in a lot of the solid, the bar products and A, don't want to repeat your answer and B, <laughs> I agree with, I agree with you that they're not up to snuff all of them. There's only one or two that I really like, but I think what is a really exciting movement, but one that I think the media is going to have a hard time really doubling down on for obvious reasons is just kind of the pulling back of the obsession with newness and the obsession with just kind of more and more and more. And it's the same thing, you know, I guess with fashion, you're never really going to see a buy less story. You sometimes see like a capsule wardrobe story or essentials. But, you know, I do kind of see like there are some stories by skin, like skinimalism, people kind of paring down their skincare routine. I really like the trend that we saw about seven, eight years ago of like posting your empties. And that was, you know, look, I love this so much that I finished it to the bottom of the jar. But people really boasting about using products so much that they they finished it, not just like, here's my wall of 45 billion things. So again, I it's got to be kind of somewhere somewhere in the middle or maybe it's going to be cool to be I don't know. Look at my like I've I've edited down to like this is my capsule routine and for advertisers it's like oh my god, I made it into this influencer's five step routine. That's how good I am. Not I've made it into her wall, her shelfie, a <laughs> roundup of a hundred new products for no. March. I act, I think that's a much bigger <laughs> status if you're in you know Jan, Jan edits closet and you're in her five step routine. That's much more valuable. So I think we kind of have to change our thinking. That for me is a much you know I'd love to see that shift, but the influencers have to have to move that you know. Yeah. But you know what? I feel for the influencers because now I'm in this position where I'm getting sent all of these products, which was not my reality a few years ago. And they're exciting products and you want to try them and they're offering to send them for free. So like, are you going to say no? And then you have them and it's like, how could you ever finish all of them? You only have one face. So if you really love skincare and you've got these great skincare brands and you really are eager to try the products, it's like hard to say no. But I would love to have like a five-step routine. It's just like never going to happen for me. I try to say it a brands now. And it's it's met like kind of sometimes it's like, sorry, we don't have that. But like, can you send me a lab sample? And I know that's not the full experience. No, that's really smart. I love that idea. Yeah, because it's I I can't I, I have a one bedroom. My husband works in product development. So there's products like coming up like our kitchen table is not a kitchen table anymore. <laughs> it's we've got a baby. It's nuts. So I can't have the the whole line anymore. Just send me. The, <laughs> it's it's wild. We're moving to a two-bedroom soon. Maybe things will change. (laughs) I totally get it. 
Jen, I want to ask you about your time at Inc. Magazine, Inked Magazine. <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, it's just, it's really interesting. One, do you have tattoos? Yeah, lots. <laughs> okay. Can you tell me about your tattoos? Oh, I mean, the hands are just like the small ones, but. Okay. Okay. Those are almost like, don't even consider to, like little finger tats. No, they're all, I have a big one on this hip, which I got like live on television. I have a big one on this hip, which I got in the <laughs> trip. I have like that ankle, that ankle. I've been waiting. Dr. Wu owes me one because we were working on this project together, but I can't get my butt out to LA to get it. I love tattoos. Yeah. So I worked at, I was the editor in chief for a while at Ink. That's Magazine. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. My ex-boyfriends and I actually, um, we took it over from these guys and turned it into more of like a high-end fashion magazine. These days I've been watching it and it's not quite the same thing, but um, yeah. And I remember Kat Von D was like one of our early, like, it's like before she had KVD beauty and she's problematic too, but like there was this whole like um, tattoo community that we wanted to talk about, but not in a way that felt scary or like, you know, going into a tattoo shop for a lot of people is very intimidating. So we we're trying to like, that magazine was trying to make it more like a lifestyle, if you will, <laughs> which any tattooer who's listening to this is like, oh God, rolling their eyes. Like, but yeah. <laughs> Wait, but do you think you're going to get more tattoos in your future? Because I I, oh, I yeah. hear from people that have tattoos that it's like addictive, that you don't just get like... Oh, yeah. Once you get one, it's, it's like, like a life thing. you've broken the seal for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got these when Jess, I can't remember when... Maybe it was the second anniversary of Fat Mascara. I, I took it Jess. First. Was it the first year? I took Jess first. out to... What tattoo shop did we go to? Saved. 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 Okay. I took her out to Williamsburg. Was that your first time in a tattoo shop, Jess? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so she sat with me and I got these little eyelashes on oh, my I pinkies, so like cute. in honor of fat mascara. We actually recorded it for the show. I, our sound quality was questionable back then, so I'm not sure. But it had the buzz of the machines in the background and everything. Oh, God. Yeah. So to me, it's like a collectible. Almost all except for one of my tattoos. It's for my grandmother, Ruby, are black and black and gray, though. Like I don't do color tattoos. Hers is special because, yeah. It's a ruby, so it's red. But other than that, yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. And talk to me about this silver strip of hair that you have, because I feel like it's very iconic. It's very <laughs> part of you. Is it dyed? Have you like created this look or is this authentic? Oh, oh no, 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 no. I have had, I started going gray when I was like 14 or 15, but it came in in this white streak right in the center of my head. And then I guess maybe about age well, I started dyeing my hair right after that, like pink and all sorts of colors. And then once I got into my 20s and 30s, I was dyeing it brunette. And finally, I was having to dye it so frequently because I have so much gray now that I think I was like 33, maybe 34. I was just like, I'm not going to dye the whitest white part. I'll just dye around it. So it made me like not have to dye as frequently. And that, mm. and it was also like, I wanted to have a thing because I felt like there were so many like brown hair, brown eyes, like Totally. People my size. I'm like not big on like a fashion statement. Like I didn't have like a, it was my, I wanted to have a look, you know? Yeah. It's so iconic. I needed branding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really iconic. I like, I can't think of you without thinking of, of your like signature. Yeah. One of our former interns did these illustrations of Jess and I, and like mine had like the big white streak of my hair. I still use it for my Instagram photo just because I was like, cool. I'm glad people like, yeah, will know me that way. I think it's really cool. I think it's really cool. Jess, I want to ask you a few questions just about your life postpartum and being a mom, because I know that's something that we can definitely relate to. What do you think's changed the most for you since becoming a mom? Like, what are the things about being a mom maybe that you didn't know were going to change that changed? 
Um, I think didn't naively or not, I didn't realize how little time I would have. I really just thought that my life, I, I, I don't know what I thought, which sounds really stupid. I really know how dumb that sounds. I just kind of thought like it would all work out, but it is really hard to figure it out. And I just kind of thought like the baby sleeps and like the baby is like happy and the baby <laughs> like sits How in old a is lake now. She's thir- almost 13 months. Yeah. Um, but you know, the baby needs all of your focus, like all of your eyes and like all of your attention. Like I, I cannot, um, if I'm with her, I have to be 100% with her. And if I'm not 100% with her, I can feel that she knows I'm not 100% with her. And I feel really guilty if I'm not 100% with her. And I just know she knows. And like, she could hurt herself if I'm not 100% with her. And that's that's really scary. And so I can't be like on my laptop and like like looking like, haha, that's so cute. You know, like I, <laughs> you, I have to be, you know, I can't be like, multitasking. Right. And I, before I had a baby, I really think I was just kind of almost like working all the time, either on fat mascara or bizarre, or then I was like seeing friends and the gallivanting. There's no more gallivanting because of the the pandemic. So that's kind of a, and I had the baby like right like three weeks before the pandemic. Perfect timing. Yeah. So that's like a moot point. So I don't really know what that's like now, but it's just kind of I guess I just did not realize like it's not about like what I am trying to achieve anymore. It's about achieve what you need to achieve in a very small window of time. And then it's about her. And that should be very obvious to any person who considers having a baby. <laughs> but yeah. I think it wasn't until like the comet hit that I have to f- really compartmentalize. I think that's such an amazing point. But don't you also think that moms are really good at being proficient with time? It's almost like 20 minutes is like, a, like let me sit down and do it 20 minutes versus like, a, I'll get to it later 20 minutes. Well, the, I guess that the other thing is I've had to learn to, or I'm learning to be, because it, it's not like, oh, I've, I've become a different person. Like, no, <laughs> I have, to, I'm starting to become more direct mm. because I don't have time to be like, oh, maybe like I have to. <laughs> Because it needs, I have to be more direct because if something is going to take time or if it's, I'm not sure something's worth my time, then it's like, I can't, I don't have time. Efficient. you become more efficient. efficient. Yeah. Yeah. But that means also being direct. And sometimes I don't think I've been direct before because I'm afraid of like being mean. But now it's like, I need to just be direct. Who cares? Yeah. I think that's great. So that's it. Yeah. Let's get into your top beauty products. So Jen, what are your top three beauty products that you love right now? This is always changing. And I love a serum, an anti-aging serum. Sorry, I still use the word anti-aging. I don't think there's anything. It's just like, I just use it generically to mean like fixes, texture issues that you might have and things, you know, like, like Kleenex. Um, I'm not saying aging is bad. And I like to have like crow's feet and things, but it used to be Skin Medica TNS. It still is. That's like my go-to. But I have been using this Hero Serum, H-E-R-A-U-X, an anti- anti-inflammaging. It's just treating when low-grade inflammation is the source of 
you know, skin aging. And that is what it's treating. And I found it to be really good, especially for, I have rosacea. So it's sort of like hitting a one-two punch with rosacea and a little bit with the texture issues I have. Oh, wait, what's it called? Hero, but it's, they're trying to be French about it. So it's H-E-R-A-U-X. Oh, interesting. Wow. What, what do you know what, like the, like, what's the active ingredient? That yeah. I'm it's for? a proprietary uh, ingredient that works on a cellular level to decrease inflammation. It, they call it like HX3. You know how like every, I, I can't remember the exact name, but they gave it their own name and you won't find it in another serum. But I do think in general, I can't take retinol. My skin does not like it. So I look for like much more focused on anti-inflammation growth factors, those kind of things that don't speed cell turn- turnover, more work at that like low-grade cellular level to bring down inflammation. And that then changes the way your skin appearance looks. Wow. So that's what seems to work for me. Wow, that was very, a answer. A very, I think you, asked, most, you asked a beauty journalist, so. I know. I think that's the most scientific answer I've ever had. Okay. <laughs> tell me what are your other two top, top, top beauty products right now? I also really like Selena Gomez's blush. <laughs> oh my gosh, Rare Beauty. It's so good. What the yeah, hell? Yeah, so I often like, I'm cynical about all of these celebrity beauty lines because some of them I'm just like, mm. but Rare Beauty is really good. The products yes. are really, really good. And that liquid blush, you can also put it on your lips. It's like, it just sinks right in. It looks so good. And I have had this one tube for like four months and I use it every day and there's still product in there. So well done, Selena. Yeah, that that launch, I was like giving it such a side eye, like rolling my eyes and then I tried it. And I was like, wow, this is really good. It's good. It's good. Yeah. And then like, I can't live without a lash curler. So the one right now is uh, Surat Beauty. But I just think even if I don't do mascara, if I just do lash curler, I still just look more awake. That, that would be my bare minimum. If I did nothing else, I'd curl my lashes. Wow. Okay. Good to know. And I never use lash curlers, but good to know that Surat has a good one. Jess, what about you? What are your top three beauty products right now? I love my Trini London VB lip and cheek tint. I just think her products are amazing. It's like just the perfect amount. I think I've put like other stuff on my lips too, but the perfect amount of tint, it doesn't have any shine, but it's not matte. And I just pop it on. And then I can even like put a little bit on my cheeks. I love that. And just do that before meeting. Nice and creamy. Do you ever put it on your eyelids? No, because it's like orange and my eyelids turn everything orange anyway, which is a weird thing that they do. <laughs> they like oxidize everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of lids, though, I have a favorite, favorite eyeshadow that I'm absolutely nuts over. I put it in Bazaar for, I think, February. Yeah, I think pretty much it's February. Decorte. It's very expensive, but if you just buy one shade that you love, it's a real treat. It's a brand called Decorte, D-E-C-O-R-T-E. It's a Japanese brand. It is like creamy, but like bouncy, you know, like almost like that mousse texture. You will dent it. You're not going to like dip into it. It will like dent it. You like almost like push it like it'll like, like, like mochi. It's like a mochi texture. Yeah. And it's just absolutely glorious. The shimmery shades are the best ones. Um, so that's my number two. And I, my number three, I'm actually going to go with an eye cream. It's weird that we're talking about eye creams. This eye cream is not going to like, it's not going to get rid of like, big depressions under your eyes, but it's really going to give you gleam and glow. The Laura Mercier tinted, not tinted, illuminating eye cream. It's ah. thick and delicious, and it really gives you a gleam that's going to distract from any dark circles. And it also makes an amazing base for eye makeup. This is not a new product. It's an old product, but I was unaware of it until recently. Wow. I love all of this. Love tips. it. Yeah. Okay. Great, great, great. You've like sold me on all three of those. I have to try. 
Those are really great for early, like a morning face, boom, boom, boom. And you don't need brushes for any of them. Yes. I And I don't know how people do those like multicolor palette eyeshadow looks with like the... I just can't do it. I, I need no, like... I, I use like liquid eye... Like I just... I can't do it. Okay. I'm curious if you guys even have beauty mistakes because you've been in the game for so long. But if you can recall a beauty mistake that you've made... And maybe even like recently, because I feel like everyone made beauty mistakes in high school. But like, is there a beauty mistake that you've made within the last, let's say, like five-ish years that you've learned from? I thought she was going to take five weeks. So like, (laughs) yeah, I was like, well, (laughs) one week. Like the nature of our jobs, like we're not just doing this as a hobby. Like our jobs are to try products and do different things. So you don't have to make the mistake, right? Yeah. I am such a bull in a china shop about everything in life, including testing products. You would have thought by now I would have learned this. My beauty mistake is patch test. Like, hello. They even say it on most of the products. Like, try first if you haven't tried before. I have never done a patch test for anything in my life to my detriment. So I was just trying. um, It was like a cold cream cleanser. So I thought like, oh my God, this is going to be soothing. It was for freaking sensitive skin. So I put it on and I was ready to like tissue off and rinse. My skin was like as if I had gotten burned with hot oil, like red and puffy and inflamed. You could see exactly where I wiped it onto my skin because it was like the finger marks was like how obvious. <laughs> if I had taken a moment to like, probably even on my arm, I could have gotten that reaction and known not to put it on my face. But I would say like, yeah, my beauty mistake is not doing a little bit of a test for it. Dip your toe in, Jen. Don't just jump all the way in. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. That's such a good one because I get so excited and I don't always patch test. Yeah. I'm not great with liner and it was really funny. Like what's his face? Like what's his face? Only like one of the biggest makeup artists ever. Mario D makeup by Mario. When he came on the show, I did my makeup special for him. And then at the end of the show, he was like, you know, I just love how like real girls do their makeup. You know, I find that really inspiring. He was like, like you, like how like your liner is all like, and he like made some gesture, like as if like everything was like messed up. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah. So I, I, you know, I just know I'm not great at it. But I think this summer, you know, when we all were doing our own color, you know, before like the salon or the spring when the, before the salons opened up, I mean, I know some people are, are do their own color all the time and I think it's great, but I should not be allowed to. So I got some off Amazon. I'm not going to say the brand and I don't think I left it on too long, but I noticed that there was a pink, like bright, hot Cheeto, weird pink like color in the sun. And I sent a photo to one of my colorists. I go to like between like two different people and I was like, what's going on? And she was like, that is a hot root. And I was like, what? She's like a hot root. Like Jen and I've written about hot roots a lot, like in our career. And I was like, oh, now I truly understand like what a hot, hot root is. It's like when it's orange because you've lifted so much of the color and the, the heat of your scalp oxidizes the, or treats the color faster. So it like will get brighter than the rest. It's of like, hair. it's so, it was so bright, but also I learned something in the process. Very often the, um, developer in a box color, this is a learning moment. I think for everyone right now, the box color developer is very strong sometimes versus when you go to a salon, they like temper it more. She's like that box color clearly had a very, very high like thing. It wasn't just me, but she's like, you could have also left it on long. So anyway, it was, it was hot. Wow. You live and you learn. Yeah. It's hot, baby. It's hot. Do you guys have any facial devices that you love like zip or new face or, cause I feel like everyone's beauty routine is getting more and more high tech. And I'm wondering if you guys dabble in any of the devices. I think dabble is the word. <laughs> My friend Felicia 
almost got me to get a zip. Like she came on, the, she was one of our guest co-hosts when Jess was out. And man, she was she was making it sound so wonderful. And I just still don't think I could get in the habit of using it. But I, I know a lot of people that really, really like that product. Yeah. Yeah, people love it. I was using the Light Salon device for when I was on maternity leave and I noticed a big difference, but you have to be consistent. Yeah, that's my biggest challenge. Like I'm just not, it's like going to the gym. Like I can't do it every day. Thumbs down. <laughs> um, okay, final question for you guys. Um, and if you've listened to Naked Beauty, you know it's coming. But I want to know, when do you guys feel most beautiful? So Jen, you seem enthusiastic to answer this. I'm going to start with you. Because literally, I can imagine... I was like thinking about how I always listen to your podcast when I'm running. And like every time I hear you ask it, I was like, if I ever get to be on Brooke's show, what will my answer be? So truly, I've thought about this for at least two years. I think that's when I first discovered your show. And then I was like, oh, do I have the balls to say it? But other people have said this on your show. It's right after sex. Like There's no other time. (laughs) And... Like, I don't even care what my hair looks like, my skin, naked. Maybe I still have some clothes on. Maybe there's panties around one ankle. Who knows? Like, it's just, (laughs) you're in this lovely glow and you know that your partner's satisfied and you're satisfied and that feels really beautiful. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't want to break the seal and like get up and pee. Go pee after sex. Very healthy for you. But like, because that glow is so nice. But then once you go pee, then it's like, okay, now I'm back to Jen. But anyway, maybe that was TMI. See, here's what happened. I answered. I had a prepared answer. Then I come on your show and I keep talking and say too much. (laughs) No, I love that answer. The distinction, that like line that's crossed from like before you pee to 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 pee pee is hysterical. You know what I'm talking about. I know. I know that metaphysical distinction. But it's a beautiful time. After you pee, it's like you're back to reality. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Totally. It's like the clock strikes midnight. <laughs> the carriage becomes the pumpkin. <laughs> you're back. <laughs> well, I don't I don't think I can top that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty epic answer, I will say. I would say maybe um wow. I I, I don't even know how to how to top that. Um I guess I feel most beautiful maybe don't laugh. Like, I feel like this is like such a corny answer when I'm like really relaxed. So maybe like after I have like a really nice facial or massage or like, you know, when I'm just like, like when I don't have a care in the world, but also, you know, when I feel really beautiful, like when I'm happy with, with Lake, I think that's probably it. I think pre-Lake probably like, yeah, like, you know, all with my white robe, you know, with my like serums on, but now it's really just when, when I'm happy with her and like, we're looking in the mirror and I'm like, who's that? You know, that's, I'm, I'm talking to Lake, not you. Did we get, okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> who's that girl? <laughs> that's so yeah, like, cute. I love that. Yeah. So relatable. Happy. So relatable. I love that. Like when, when like your child like giggles and smiles, it's just like a joy, like no other. Oh my God, when she like she's doing this thing where she's getting in my face lately and she's smiling and she's giving me this like growl. It's like a, <laughs> like, like a happy growl, like a little toothy happy growl. And I'm just like, and I crack up. But I think that's when I kind of feel, I'm not like, oh, I'm so pretty right now. I'm not, paying, but I just, I feel happy, you know? Yes. Yes. Oh, I love these answers. And I love talking to you guys so much. And the panties are around my ankles. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know we have like two very opposite ends of the spectrum. We, here. You know what? We went full circle with this interview because we started out telling you how like yeah. we weren't opposites. a lot alike and opposites attract. Uh, thank you so much for letting us come on your show. This has been this is awesome and so fun. So much fun. I've loved like getting to know you guys better. And I'm sure my listeners know Fat Mascara. But if you don't, obviously check it out. Subscribe. It's a fabulous show. And yeah, thank you guys so much for for being on. And um, we have to keep in touch and chat more about all of these things. Thank you. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Yeah, uh, come with the money in the backs. Let them know we got that cake straight out the gate. Uh, as always, take screenshots as you're listening. DM me, tag me on your stories. Let me know what you think of the episode. All right, at Naked Beauty Planet, I reshare all of you guys listening every single week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 